Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 117th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association, a conversation between woodworkers. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop. With me is my co-host, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop. And today's special guest is Andy Klein. And actually, as I say that, I meant to ask you before, Andy or Andrew? What do you like? I'll go, we'll go with Andy. Andy's okay? Is that what your mom calls you? No, my mom would call <laughs> me Andrew. But Oh, well, okay. If you can take Andy, it's Andy. Andy's so what's up, good. guys? Not not too much, Sean. How uh, how you doing? We're all dug out here. Did you guys get any of the snow out in Ohio? We have been sparse. I um, we got a dump uh, like a week before Christmas, and it's melted and barely done anything since. Um, we're actually for tonight is supposed to be a bad mix of rain to freeze to snow, but um, nothing major. You guys are getting the the big coming across New York dumps. I, I wouldn't call it big, but we got snow. Thursday of last week, and then we got actual snow on Saturday. Thursday, it left us like an inch or two. Saturday, mm-hmm. it snowed all day, and we got where I live. I probably got about six inches, but the way the island works is that as you got closer to the city, it went down, and they only got an inch or two. And by the time you get to the east end of Long Island, they got over a foot. Oh, um, yeah, it, it really varies. The further you are into the ocean, the more you tend to get. Um, so it was nice. I, I managed to shovel the driveway four times on Saturday, but oh, nice. It was all clear, and uh, you know, it's it's wintertime. <laughs> I I wouldn't have it any other way. I I like having four seasons. So, yeah, how are you guys doing it? You're out in Colorado, yeah. right, Andy? Yeah, the weather in Denver is is actually really nice right now. Unfortunately, I'm not in Denver. Actually, I'm traveling. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm traveling this week um, uh, for for the day job. I'm outside of Omaha, Nebraska, and it's pretty cold here. It's uh, I'm getting used to Denver weather pretty quick. Quick, um, and and uh, Nebraska's cold. <laughs> I will say, I I ran Saturday morning, and it was all of four degrees outside. So that was a Ooh. that was brisk. I, nice. It's a it's a, a fun time when you, you got to run with a mask so you your face doesn't freeze. But then you, <laughs> it steams your eyebrows, and you get icicles hey, dripping off your eyebrows. And, yes, I have the utmost respect for you, but let me just clear something up for any listener who might be confused. That is not. A fun time. No. <laughs> Just in case someone might have thought you were right, uh, I, I got to strike that from the record. That is, an, that is a fabrication, my friend. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so back back to more poignant uh, topics. Uh, what's in your shop, Yami? You've been doing a lot. I, I Yeah, I've been busy. Um, <clears throat> I'm fear it may come to a grinding halt because I have to go camping next weekend. Um, oh, is it, is it like your uh, – do you guys do like the Camp Alaska thing with the scouts? Uh, I – We'll plead ignorance and not know what Camp Alaska okay. is, but uh, the Boy Scouts, I they do camp more than they should. We, and, we did a thing uh-huh. to explain myself when I was in Scouts. Um, every it, Sometime January, February, I don't exactly remember. I was much younger. Um, but it would be a time where we would hike out into the forest and make our own man-made shelters in potentially sub-zero temperatures. No. It's quite the experience. <laughs> that is not what we're doing this weekend. <laughs> Literally, the, we we had a sub zero patch that we would get if it ever if the weather actually ever hit. My hat is off to you. Uh, I don't need that patch. Um, no, yeah, we're no, sleeping in uh, what has just been described to me as shelters, and I cannot 
Uh, talk to me next week, and I'll let you know what that actually yeah, means. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, but in any rate, to get back to the shop, um, I've been, let me see, I've been making signs. Uh, we'll call them wall art. I've been calling them signs. I'm not quite sure what to make. Um, I may have mentioned this are last they, time as I was talking are with... Are they for someone? I, uh, yeah, they're, they're for, well, one of them is for Amy Davis Roth, one of the hosts of um, Maker's Hustle. She does mm-hmm. she does art and does lots of ceramics and she makes necklaces and things with Surly Ramics as her company and then does lots of art pieces. So I took a couple of her art pieces and have um, ink transferred them onto uh, the one I'm holding in my hand is a piece of oak and they're going to be some signs. And today I've got three done or just about done. I have to finish them, but it's I don't know it was a high to twenty three today. The shop is mm. 60 now, so it's not like the shop's not warm enough, but I can't spray lacquer in the shop and record a podcast at the same time. So I don't know the, when I'm going to actually get to finish <laughs> no. finishing them. Like, they're all made. I just need to the, – the top surfaces still need to have the finish applied. But other than that, the first three will be made. And then talking to Amy today, I, I she posted this great image of the scientific method that I'm going to make some more out of. So mm. that's kind of keeping me busy. And then – Anyone who saw my posts from last week on Friday, I picked up, uh, I don't know, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell how many, board feed, how many board feed it is, but it's all the maple I need to make a table, and not next week, but the week after, I have to make a table and drive it down to Virginia. In the same week? Yes, yes, in the same week. Okay. Uh, and then I have to drive home, too. Um, and, oh, and it's Pinewood Derby season, so I spent all day on Saturday and Sunday working with my youngest son, who's still a Cub Scout, on his, uh, his Pinewood Derby car. So that's... Oh, you, you got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's feast or famine here. Um, I either yeah. don't get into the shop at all, or I'm overwhelmed with too many open projects. <laughs> uh, nice. You didn't have the whole pack come this time? You've, I remember you had the whole group of kids um, over doing cars? Well, I, I've never... I don't... Uh, Maybe not. I have a tendency to, to overanalyze the divisions of... Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts because my wife still, after the kids being in them for six or seven years, doesn't understand the the structure of them. Um, so I've never had the whole pack over. I've only had the den, which is the okay. smaller okay. unit of kids, uh, right. because even then I would only have the den like over one at a time and I'd space them out by a half hour because my shop is a one-car garage with a lot of power right. tools and having <laughs> eight eight-year-olds in it at a time is just Much. not a good idea. Um right. But that being said, no, I, I've not – in the past, I have done that. But my bandsaw is really the tool you use when you're building a Pinewood Derby car. It's a drill and press and a bandsaw. I was ask you about that, yeah. Um, and I would always leave it to you know individual families to do the drilling because you're drilling for weight. That's why you, dr- you need the drill press. And then the bandsaw is really what you do to shape the car. So in the past years, I would invite kids over – to do sketches and stuff, and then I would do kind of hand-over-hand action with them and cut the cars out on the bandsaw. But um, my bandsaw is still broken. Mm-hmm. And what – I may or may not have shared this last time, but what I figured out is that the starting capacitor on the motor is gone. It's, yeah, I knew you, you – all I knew you you were going to have a, a electrical guy. Yeah, motor, my, my, that, my that friend came over, and we diagnosed that the starting capacitor is broken, and we think okay. – that the the internal switch that turns the starting capacitor on and off is stuck on, and that led to the starting capacitor overheating and and failing. Hmm. Um, 
but what I've got is the starting capacitor. It starts now, but it stays on and it overheats. We think I'm like ninety percent sure that's the case. So that's the that's the kill switch when it runs until it doesn't. That's what's happening. Yeah, that that's what seems to be happening. Is the starting capacitor is overheating, okay. um, and because it's not turning off because the internal switch is not working properly. Um, and we've talked to Baldor, who makes the motor. Is that a hard thing to get at? Well, yeah. it's opening up the motor proper, which is more than I want to get into personally. And it was not reassuring that you, Baldor, it's a, it's a Baldor motor, but apparently they make motors domestically and they import them. And this is an imported motor. And they told us they'd have to reach out to the fabricator in China who makes the motor for them in order to get a schematic on the motor. Oh, no. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I found a local motor shop who I was going to buy a capacitor from them and I was talking to them because the advice I got was, we'll just replace the capacitor because it might have only been the capacitor. It might have been the switch. And the capacitor is $45, something like that, to buy the capacitor. Mm-hmm. But the there was no guarantee that that would actually fix it. If the switch is broken, then I'll just burn through the new capacitor. But that would right. that would demonstrate whether or not the switch was broken. But in talking to the motor guys, they said for somewhere between 150 and 200 bucks, they can literally rebuild the entire motor. So oh. I don't know that I want to invest $40 to find out that I've wasted the 40 and still need to rebuild the motor. So I, I mm-hmm. think I put the old capacitor back on, which will get the saw started, but you can't run for any amount of time because it overheats. Um, and I managed to cut out my son's car. And now I need to take the motor off and take the whole motor down to the, to the motor repair place. Yeah, how um, hulking is that motor? It's, it's pretty decent. Um, how many horse? It's three. Okay. Oh, uh, it's a big motor. Yeah, it's a big... It's, it's arguably the biggest... Honestly, I... I suspect the motors in my joiners and planer are equally big, but they're both encased in the cases, and I can't see them. It's the largest exposed motor I have. Um, it's it's a bit of a beast. But that being okay. said, it's still a lot smaller than the saw itself. So um, i got to undo four bolts, and it'll come off the back. And just take it off. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as stupid as the sounds, I'm going to use it as an opportunity to upgrade the saw because I got the saw um, as, a, as a floor model from Laguna. Mm-hmm. So it came completely assembled. And you have to either remove the motor or remove the bottom wheel in order to change the belt that drives the lower wheel. And, you know, it's a it's a standard full-size belt that I don't know how old it was when I bought the saw. And it, it adds the slightest bit of vibration to the saw. It's nothing terrible, um, but I want to change it to a link belt. And I've never been motivated enough to take apart the bottom of the saw in order to, to access the belt. And now I'll be able to do that. So hopefully... I get the motor repaired. I'll put the link belt on. It should run better than it ever did once I'm all done with this. Uh, but that's a long story into why I didn't Excellent. invite other people over to cut their saw- cars out on my bandsaw. <laughs> Completely understandable. That, I was I was loading that question with the, the this question about your saw because I knew that would be a point of concern. <laughs> yeah, having cut the cars out by hand, that's for suckers. Um, I can't, man. It's harder than it sounds. I mean, I know it's only a little saw, a little car, but... You know, if I was really set up to do lots of hand cutting, maybe, but to take take a jigsaw or um Oh no. And oh my god, no, it's it's like torture. It's scary as hell. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember or how Or coping saw rather. I said a jigsaw. Coping saw is what like the, my dad the book had. recommends. And yeah. it's it takes me I don't know. As an adult it probably takes me a half hour to cut one out with a with a coping saw. I can't imagine asking an eight year old to do it. You know how long, like, the lesson would be if you were teaching him how to finesse with your with your rasps. 
you know, mm-hmm. to get those curves just right. <laughs> you know, this could, I mean, it would be a week worth of a project for the kid, but it would uh, be a life lesson. It, Same you know what? Better. There should be a RASP merit badge, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll bring that Never. up next time I have a, a Boy Scout meeting. There you go. But Andy, what's been going on in your shop? Well, not as much as your shop. Um, but uh, right before I left on this trip, I was putting together some a, a little setup for uh, a video project. Actually, I'm, I'm a little little science experiment kind of thing. I want to actually quantify um, how much extra grip you get when you put leather on the jaw of a vice, which oh, cool. is always a recommended thing. And, and, you know, I've kind of, uh, qualitatively, it, it sure seems to work, but I'm, I'm going to try to actually put some numbers to it. So I'm setting up a system where I can apply a constant amount of, of downward force and then see how much torque on a piece of wood I need to break it free. Uh, and then swap in blanks that have, you know, the leather suede leather, nothing on it. And, and just actually see how much of a difference it makes. So, um, so I'm interested to see how that goes, uh, probably another week before I actually get, get results. Um, and, and then I'm also working on, a um, a vice project with Charlie Kosorek. Uh, so it, it kind of has some bearing on, on this product that we're working on. So, Is, so that's the, the hot topics in my shop. And that's, that's an, that's a new project or is, is that the vice that's the the super quick release vice. I'm sorry, you've you've come up with so many cool cutting and clamping things that I've lost track. Um, right, yeah, that's, that's it's the, the the vice with the fast travel threads, the uh, one inch travel per revolution uh, thread that that drives the the jaw forward and back, and and then the cam that that tightens on the other side. Right, that's right, okay. the one. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. yep. So yeah, that one's that one's getting closer to uh, to release. We've had some breakthroughs in the last month on on that one now, that have been a long time in the making. So so that's exciting. Those are breakthroughs yeah. in in finalizing the design or breakthroughs in production. A bit of both, you know. We so so immediately after or or soon after we released, you know, the video where we showed how it worked, and, mm-hmm. and that was just a, sh- a shop made thing that that uh, Charlie and I had cobbled together. We found uh, a manufacturer, and and uh, they said they'd they'd take a look at at uh, getting a design together, and it's just taken quite a while for them. Uh, and us to come together on a design that we think will work and, and meet the needs and the price points right and and uh, all of those details. Um, so it's it's getting close. This this podcast is a good way to to kind of tease that a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> we're, we're happy to do so. Um, Excellent. Now, I, real quick, back to the the leather stuff. I I don't have a ton of experience with a different you know actually clamps in in general, but um. I do have a Moxon vice and as per instructed, I, I put leather on there. Um, if for nothing else, I like the fact that it softens what's going on. There. That vice is made out of ash damage or otherwise, if you overpressured it. Um, but the, I, I love the scientific stuff that you do and I'm very in, intrigued to, to find out what's, what's going on with, uh, with that, like what you, what you find. Yeah, I'm, I'm real interested. What, what do you think? What's your your gut feel on on uh, extra force needed with with the leather? You think it's uh, you know twenty percent more force or double? What do you what are your guesses? 
Oh, I wouldn't say it's quite double, um, but a little bit of extra. But it because it has that give, but that give is almost wrapping around it. And I mean, without thinking about it too much, I, uh, I, I don't know. When I, I like the idea of the leather, but I'll be honest. At this point, I don't have a vice with leather. So when you talk about extra force, Andy, are you talking about? the force with which it grips the piece of wood or the force that which you need to crank the vice down in order to stabilize the wood and stop it from moving? Um, I'd say the force with which it grips the wood at okay. constant at the same pressure. So two, uh, one, two identical vices, except one has leather, one doesn't both squeezing a uh, work piece with a hundred pounds, um, which, how much, how okay. much uh, force on the piece do you need to to uh, get it to slip out of the vice in, in right, each case? It. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of thinking like maybe twenty or thirty percent more, but uh, I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see how it works yeah. out. The it's just no go on, sir. Seems like it's it's like the the just the, the softness of the material, and I I don't know if it's I mean it it's not super soft, but it you know I, I'm immediately in my head I'm thinking of when I've been roofing and I've used cushion seats like just medium foam to stand on a on a pitched roof because that has more surface area grab than my feet do mm-hmm. and it's partly because of the material mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i that's got to be something to it um hmm. I, 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 i'm i curious it just and the other thing is, i mean i, I yeah it definitely seems parallel to work. Draw clamps yeah. to something with leather on it I, the leather just seems to have a lot more grab and then, you know, the other thing I, I might, I, I don't know how, how much I'm going to plug away at this, but there's potential to try different sources of leather, different kinds, and, mm-hmm. you know, actually see what's best. I, I've never seen anyone do an exploration like that. I mean, the, the common knowledge is that you just put leather on, but um, there's just not a whole lot of resource on what is, what's the best price, what's, what gives you the best performance, how much of a difference is there. Uh so hopefully people find it useful. I hope so. I've been a a long convert that the back jaw of the vice should be the front face of the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't say I do this very often, but it does allow you to clamp longer pieces and then clamp them to the front of the bench further down with a – I don't have a dead man, but I use just regular clamps. But with other types of clamping material, could you do leather on just – the vice face and not the front face so that that front that or I guess the back face of the vice is remains the front face of the bench and it's not it's even or would you run the leather all the way down or would you run the leather short and just leave it so that um, it's not quite coplanar and you'd be okay because it's just the thickness of the leather it's not a big deal am I overthinking this yeah <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good question. I was thinking more in terms of an end vice where you don't have that issue because it's just the end of the bench. Okay. On a front vice, I see what you're saying. Um, you, you know, do you just put leather on on the back jaw and, and then you have a space? You know, for a long board, you have a, a space. I, I I don't think that'd be an issue if you if you just had the leather. Uh, you know, the front of the leather is proud of the bench a little bit, and then you don't get any contact. You know, um, on the rest of the length of the board, but but I don't think the rest of that length is really doing much anyway. You know, if you have a a peg underneath it um, to support it, you're probably fine. Um, right. If you're gonna work the top, even if it has a slight bow to it, you're still gonna still plane the top. I'm assuming it, it's it the still top, works yeah. okay. 
And right. I mean, the, the thickness of your leather is, I mean, less than an eighth of an inch. Well, most maybe that likely. leather you have in Ohio, but I'm using oh, New York I, leather. Oh, I got some. They <laughs> diff, grow them different on the island. Uh, huh? <laughs> anyway, um, let's let's move on to uh, some posts that have uh, piqued our interest. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about uh, the other stuff Andy's been working on bringing to market. But we'll get back uh, into that. Yeah, we'll get we'll return to that in a moment. Um, yes, but. Uh, for those of you who may remember the shop stool build off that we talked about last episode, actually, um, where those those nice sculpted stools that Sean Rubino was making, he originally designed for the shop stool build off that Chris Wong had. It feels like forever ago. Um, Chris is doing another shop build off, and this will be the shop shelf build off. And he's going to run it on the weekend of January 28th and 29th. Um, when I'll either be driving home from Virginia or having an adult playing with Derby. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to be in Indiana, so I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, I, I was talking to Chris about it, and honestly, I don't, I don't know that I have a wall to put a shelf on in the shop. So as much as I like building things, I don't think I'll be building along. I'm hoping I'll be judging again. Um, oh, but you if you go over to flarewoodworks.com, it's currently the most recent post, but it's the wall shelf build off is the name of the post. So you should be able to find it over there and we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, it's, it's just fun. Cause what, what his plan is, is for people to build it that weekend of January 28th and 29th and anything from something incredibly artistic to incredibly functional and just build along and share in the build. And then he'll have some, some competition. And if the shop stool build off is anything to judge by, I I forget how many entries there were in the shop stool build off, but I want to say it was twenty or thirty. There were a fair number of builds going along, and that oh. weekend it was fun yep. to watch everyone posting about them as they went. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, since that past one, which was probably about two years ago, I'm guessing there oh, seemed to yeah. be a million more ways to post live video since then. So I'm sure it'll be even more amusing to watch this year. Um, yeah, and it's good to see. But the, you, you the, or hear from Chris again. Yeah, yeah, and the qu- the quality of those benches was just unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I would hope and expect that the qu- the quality and and design of some of these shelves is going to be equally inspiring. And it, I just it's an exciting thing to to participate in. So I would certainly encourage people to check that out. Sean, did you see a guitar on the web? out of reclaimed stuff like uh, most of his work is reclaimed stuff first of all it's a license plate that's spelled out rot gut which is just funny um but it's really uh really cool uh what he uh what he did there it's um i I put a link in the show notes just you got to check it out because it is uh super duper cool yeah and he posted a little video on instagram and he's mm-hmm. actually with him playing it, and for a license plate, it sounds phenomenal. I, yeah, I think it does. I mean, it really does. It sounds pretty darn cool. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Did we lose Andy? Uh, I'm still here. Okay. I, I okay. think you Sorry, might no. be cutting out on me a little bit, though. Yeah, I heard you cutting okay. out, Sean. Oh, weird. Okay. As long as I'm still there. Um, 
so yeah, that, that's basically what uh, what I saw. Let's let's move on to dig more into uh, Andy's mind. Oh, um, <laughs> well, so um, I hope most of our listening audience knows who you are because of of what you've uh, I, I guess what you've been out. Do you have a website? Actually, I, I looked and looked and. Uh, I, sh- I should have just said that I don't have one. I have a YouTube channel. That's yeah. my primary mode of communication. And, and then I post to Instagram once in a while. Right. So for a guy who's been published or at least talked about in Popular Mechanics, in Make Magazine, um, I found a, a, a write-up on your shop for my build at uh, CA. I mean, you're you're out there and about there, and you've come up with some pretty ingenious uh i don't do you like calling being them called inventions or uh you know your your saw blade and the vice that we mentioned earlier um the clamps the clamp in the clamps yeah i mean i guess let's start back there what is your background what you know you you've talked about like doing experiments on on leather on vice jaws like i'm guessing you've got some mechanical engineering somewhere in you um, I'm actually by by degree. I'm a chemical engineer. Um, chemical engineering and mechanical okay. engineering. When when I was uh, you know picking a major, those were kind of neck and neck. I didn't really know how to how to make the decision, um, and and it ended up going with with chemical engineering. But there's actually quite a bit of overlap um, in the two disciplines. Um, so so anyway, yeah, chemical engineer by degree, but kind of more. Uh, mechanically inclined, I guess that's certainly um, in in my hobby endeavors. That's what I've gravitated to. Um, I, I could have been. What's a chemical engineering hobby? Brewing beer. That's that's sort of chemical <laughs> yeah. engineering. Still I a noble pursuit. Work that does that mm-hmm. exact mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It works well. Which I can see the appeal. I mean, I, if if I had all the time in the world, that might be fun to do also. But um, so so yeah, definitely definitely an engineer. Um, and and yeah, I think it's uh, inventions is is fine. That's that's uh, I think a fair thing to to call what I've um, been up to over the last uh, year and a half, really since since the saw blade came out. I, wait, um, can we can we just jump right into that real quick? And if if again the listening audience is not familiar, uh, Andy designed a carbide saw blade that takes out a a cut out of a sheet of plywood where you can fold it and make basically a drawer out of a single piece of, of plywood again ingenious i mean that is uh, i mean i'm super respectful of uh, of the just the idea for that how did you come up with that idea so uh, it kind of started with just a frustration in making drawers um and you know especially if you have a whole bunch of them to make which lots of us do for our shops or um, for a kitchen, maybe. Um, and you know, even finger joints is fairly simple, but getting, getting the jig to line up right in the spaces and, and cutting all of them, that's still a whole lot of work. Um, so, and I was thinking about, uh, oh gosh, now I'm going to forget the name of, of the router bit that makes the two passes and it kind of gives oh, the, a profile cut the, similar the locking to locking miter bit lock miter lock miter of course so so i was thinking of how could you do both passes um both both sides of that joint on a table saw 
and have something that's similar to a, a lock miter. Um, and I, so I started drawing up some profiles and, and how can you cut it and, and how can you deal with different thicknesses? And, and the big breakthrough really was coupling it with a dado stack, because once you do that, first of all, the thing that you're making can be a lot smaller because the dado uh, takes up the, re- the, you know, the majority of the, the materials removed by the dado, which lots of people want to buy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also lets you do fine tuning, uh, fine adjustments for different thicknesses, even, you know, nominally, nominally, uh, three quarter inch plywood isn't, isn't always the same thickness. Right. Um, so if, if you needed to buy, uh, a new blade for every 64th of an inch <laughs> increment, <laughs> that would quickly get way, way out of hand. It's just not an economical solution, but the data stack takes care of all that. Um, so that's when I, I got really excited about it and thought, you know, I'm actually going to put the money into having a prototype made by somebody and filing a provisional patent. And, you know, you're a couple thousand dollars deep into it at that point. But but I thought I had something. So uh, so I went for it. That It's really cool. Is is um the the trick with the, the cut itself? Do you you have to match the thickness of your material in the width that you're taking out? And then the projection obviously just has to go as high to just save the veneer on the very what would be bottom edge as you're uh, folding it. Right. So, so there's two adjustments you make. You need you need to load up a specific thickness of dado uh, that that corresponds to a thickness of material. It's not it's not like a half inch material means a half inch of dado. It's a little mm. less. We're going to have a nice chart that, you know, you take a measurement of the thickness and it tells you, okay, you need an eighth inch spacer in these shims and, and then it'll work. You know, you know, so it's a fairly simple setup. And and then the next step is, is getting the, the tip of the miter fold blade just below uh, the, the top layer of, of the uh, plywood. So you just leave really thin layer of veneer to fold over um, to make the joints. So it's it's actually have you messed simple. Yeah, have you um have you messed with um like wetting that that the the end the veneer that's left in that bend or have you ever experienced cracking when you're bending it? If you if you leave too much material and you don't cut deep enough and you have like say a sixteenth of an inch or even uh, a thirty second, it, it's probably going to crack. Um, if you cut it pretty thin and then also you know the the glue will do some of the wetting if if you work it down into the corner um, as as you're gluing it up. Um, so if you cut it thin and get the glue in there, oh, I I haven't had uh, haven't had any trouble with it. And, and it's you know the, if you even if you have a, a little bit of cracking, just a tiny bit of you're probably not going to leave those corners razor sharp anyway. Just a little bit of sanding. Mm. Uh, takes it down you so probably even take the, mm-hmm. the the round shaft of a screwdriver and just kind of run it over to to round it over just the slightest bit um right. I often sure. do it on miters and it just eases it just a little bit which is all i think all you would need if you had yeah, just a tiny crack burn it a little yeah. yeah so and and is that currently in production or is it available or what is the current status of that blade? so the current status it's it's real close um it, the there's uh the, so my partner's rockler rockler picked it up there um 
the one that helped me get it, you know, it's going to be their product. Um, and right now there's a Rockler landing page. You can sign up for email notifications. Um, and I can't give exact details on the schedule just because I haven't released them yet. And, and I think Rockler wants to do that, but it's, it's not going to be long. It's, it's very close. The design is, is finished and perfected. Um, so it, it won't be long. Is that pretty exciting? For, it's very exciting. It's been a long time in the making. So yes, <laughs> no one's more excited than me to have it out there. It's going to be really cool when people start to get it in their hands and, and really get to see how easy it is. Um, but for those of, for those listeners who haven't seen your video, um, can you just, as I don't know if this is going to translate to audio, but can you describe the cut it makes and how they fold over on each other? Oh, I, I can try. <laughs> I can Having try. seen so, it, I can picture it in my head without ha- trying to describe it. Um, but to, to say that you just run these passes through and then it folds over and makes a drawer, it, it's not, qu- I don't think it's quite intuitive to figure out how it does that. Right. So, I mean, you could, you can do the same thing with a, with a 90 degree, uh, just, just, um, uh, a V bit, um, router bit just to, to cut a, a perfect triangle out of the material and it folds 90 degrees and comes together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the joint that this saw blade makes is, um, every surface is, parallel or perpendicular to um, one of the sides of, of the material. Uh, it's hard to describe, but so, so it kind of zigzags its way back um, from the inside to the outside corner, always staying parallel or perpendicular with, with the, uh, with the workpiece. Um, so it increases the surface area. You have, you have significantly more surface area than just the simple um, miter fold would. Um, and it also locks together. I mean, one of the nice things with the, the cut the blade makes, if you, as you fold off four sides of the drawer up, um, it naturally finds uh, it, the joints naturally close up. They don't try to slide past each other um, like uh, just a V groove router bit would. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond, that's probably as close as I'm going to be able to get to, <laughs> to describing it. And someone who hasn't seen the video is might be doing a bit of head scratching. So. <laughs> well, I like certainly drawers ever into YouTube if, if you haven't seen it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. People should go there. We'll link to it in the show notes, but people should definitely check out the video. Uh, it makes a lot more sense once you see it. Yeah, I, I Diami placed a link to the YouTube, and I placed a link to the Rockler uh, page if you're interested. There and they're um they're grouping it with a a, um, a dado set itself. So like, are they packaging it with it? That's what they, at least what they call it. They call yes, it a full dado set. Right. It's all packaged together. So, uh, I mean, some people might be curious, well, why not just sell the specialty blade? Um, I've already got a dado set. The, the thing is the diameters have to match exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's variation in, in dado set, even, even a given manufacturer, different production rounds. Uh, the diameter of dado set is not something they worry about getting exactly precise. If it's a 64th of an inch off, um, no big deal. That's not an important dimension. I mean, people make their height adjustments on the saw, so who cares? Um, but with this, it has to match perfect for that joint to come together. So, so it's it, necessary to sell them as a package. Yeah, okay. is it being manufactured by the same place? The, yes. Uh, okay. So the yeah. data set and the and the special blade. Well, I can yes. appreciate people wanting to use their existing data stack. Let's say I don't have a data stack. I buy the blade. Now I have 
the data stack to use as part of the blade and a data stack it can use on its own? Absolutely. It's a fully functional, high, very high quality, standalone uh, data stack. Excellent. Uh, is that a what diameter? Eight inch? Eight roughly? inch. Eight inch nominal? Yeah. Okay. Oh, very cool. Um, and now we're just gonna we're gonna step down your uh, your claims to what fame. before we go through so the different things because I I definitely want to no. talk about all the uh, different inventions on but I want to ask right to Andy I see I, I I'm familiar with the blade that we've just talked about I'm familiar with the four way clamps and the different revisions you've made to them and the vice we've talked about is that the extent of products you have in or coming to market. Um, are there other things you'd like to talk about before we just run through the ones you have, you know, big videos on? Um, so there, there are a few more um, coming up. Uh, one of them I can I can definitely talk about because we've posted just a little bit on Instagram and, and Facebook, and and that's a, a set of thread taps that uh, I'm bringing to market with uh, Mark Spagnolo, the Wood Whisperer. Oh, oh, the um, Wood Whisperer. I've heard of him. Right. Yeah. You, you heard of that guy? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that that one's that one's um, hasn't been in the works too long, but it's it's moving pretty fast. So and those are for tapping. What you're using with them is you're drilling a hole in wood and tapping the wood itself to then bite a metal fastener. Right. So the history on on that one uh, back when Mark decided he didn't like his old workbench and he was going to go with the benchcrafted hardware and build a split top rubot, he mm-hmm. got the plans from Benchcrafted and it called for <laughs> tapping threads in wood. Um, I guess I'm not even sure which component. Somewhere in the in the leg vise, maybe the hardware um, around the screw. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, there was a point in the design that that called for tapping threads in wood. So he just kind of scratched his head. Oh, that's a little weird, but I'll give it a try. And it worked well. And he made a video of, Hey, look what you can do with, um, with thread taps. And I watched that video and thought, wow, that's really cool. And I've used it several times in a few of my videos. I'm, I'm using that technique and, and I've found it pretty useful, you know, especially if it's going to be a part that's going to be, uh, you're, you're going to be taking out it apart a lot or, um, there, there's several advantages compared to screw, and it's pretty easy to, to cut. Before we the move I'll on, pause right there. I, I think somebody, you have a question? Yeah, before we move on to you know the, the taps that you've come out with, I'm assuming that we're doing this with only a hardwood, and even then, is it a certain selection of wood? What's the What are the requirements of the wood in order to actually bite a thread like that? You can do it with pine. Um, I something I want to do, and I, I haven't done this yet, uh, is is just strength test. You know, with pine, how much strength do those um, the threads have? Obviously, less than if you use a hardwood, but still enough that if it's not a really demanding uh, application, you ought to be fine. It'll it'll keep something in place. Um, and, and I think wood threads have more strength than people might intuitively assume. Okay. Um, uh, and and hopefully I'll be I'll be able to demonstrate some of that in, in a very quantitative way of you know exactly how much force they can take and, and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, there's a pretty wide range of material you can use. Hmm. So then, that how did you a, get to yeah. uh, releasing your own? Uh, so the everything that that uh, I would is available on the market is made from metal and, and for tapping metal, you, you're going to use a hand, uh, wrench that, that kind of, um, it's one linear thing with a, with, a a square 
coupling in, in the middle and mm-hmm. you just kind of turn it slowly, you know, quarter turn, back it out, another quarter turn, back it out a little bit to clear the chips. Um, with wood, you can, in theory, cut these a lot faster with a hand drill uh, and, and you can chuck the metal uh, cutting taps into a hand drill and, and get the job done. But they're not really intended to be used that way. And even in wood, it's a fairly high torque application. So they tend to slip a lot. Um, in in metal, you're, you're usually not tapping nearly as deep as you might want to in wood. In wood, you might want to tap two, three inches into something because the wood, you know, wood threads right. aren't as strong as metal. And, and yeah, you know, big chunks of wood are much more common than big chunks of metal, especially on a um, you know, a hobby basis. Anyway, so so the demands and needs and what you can do in wood are different. Um, and I just started thinking of, you know, what would a tap look like if it was designed from the beginning to be used in wood, meant to be chucked up in a drill, uh, and and um, how would it accommodate, you know, deep taps? You know, how would it clear chips? How would it... Um, allow for for fast tapping um and just kind of looked at at all those demands that you'd be making on on the tap and came up with a design and and found somebody to make it so <laughs> now we're going to try to sell it um but I, and and at the same time also show uh some applications uh you know what can you do with this what how how can you make knockdown furniture Okay. using this how can you make jigs you know what what are the different uh things you could you could do with this tool yeah, i've um, i've tapped many a piece of metal before it's never even dawned on me to tap a piece of wood um are you you're saying that with the with these taps you're actually able to chuck it in a drill and tap it that quickly very quickly very very quickly wow huh that i, I, that, I find that amazing that's that's fantastic um <laughs> So when you bring them to market, well, they you're you're having them produced um, privately, and then you'll bring them either through your own brand or through Mark's brand, and not go through some big retailer like Rockler. Through Mark's brand, okay. Yeah. So this will be the uh, uh, first Wood Whisperer tool uh, out on the market. So that's that's exciting. That's cool. That is exciting. That's pretty cool. Excellent. So yeah, that's the story. I'm I'm gonna send you I'm gonna send you a video of of me uh, tapping some three eighth inch threads. Uh, about takes about a second each to to tap like oh. two inches deep. So well, that'd be excellent. So <laughs> so you'll all, all skepticism will be removed, or maybe not <laughs> I, all of it. I, I'm not I, honestly. I'm not skeptic. I'm just like it. It's. It, I've I've never even thought of it that way. Like it's a, it's a metal tool, and I know exactly how to use it metal, and I can picture doing it and undoing it and doing it and undoing it the way you'd hand twist it in. And mm-hmm. it never would have occurred to me that because of the difference between wood and metal, that you could do it faster in wood. If I were ever to tap wood, I would have just done it at the same speed. But that's fantastic yeah, sure. that you can do it faster because it's it's a tedious oh, tedious much, process. Much faster. Oh yeah, with metal, it's it's a real pain. Yeah. But it, it's mainly a matter of clearing out what you're removing right in in metal yeah the, the, the tap as well i think i think you're, you're breaking up on me a little bit um but uh yes with with metal i don't know exactly what's going on in there but it feels like after you make you know a half turn or three quarters of a turn the chips have just built up and have jammed up and got in the way to the point that if you kept going you'd 
you'd crack the the cutters. Um, so you have to back it out and and clear them out and get them out of the way before you can keep proceeding. Uh, I think that's what's happening. Uh, the metal cutters snap easily. Do they? Right. Yeah. And I, well, at I, least I'm when you're tapping metal, they do. Um, I don't yeah. know if they'd be any more forgiving in wood. But also, I'm assuming that the the threaded portion, I guess they're gullets, the the open grooves you've got set into it to clear chips, um, that's much longer on yours, I would imagine, because you're talking about tapping through much thicker pieces of wood than you would do in metal. Mm. So the threaded so the, portion of the bit? The threaded portion of the bit actually isn't that long. It's, it's um, I, I don't think, it, it might even be shorter than, than metal cutting taps. Um, it reaches its full diameter really quickly because with, with metal, it can be advantageous just to take very small uh, amounts of material out um, from in the thread progression. So it maybe go, it takes half an inch to get up to its full diameter. Um, ours, you don't need to do that with wood. It's, you can take, you can get there just in a couple threads um, and, and have threads all the way down to a non-through hole, you know, to down to the bottom of a non-through hole. Oh, okay. um, and, and then the shaft is a smaller diameter than the minor diameter of the threads. So, so the, the uh, inner diameter okay. of the threads is, is larger than the shaft. Um, so even if, if the threads are only an inch of, of the, the tool, it can still tap four inches deep. Um, just because uh, you, you don't need to run four inches of, of thread cutters to, to make the threads. Right. right. As you know. That, that having that shaft, that's, that's a smaller diameter than the minor diameter of the threads. I'm assuming that's also, you, that's required for clip shearing, uh, chip clearing. <laughs> right. So, so two, two things on that. Yeah. Having, having that diameter does help with, with uh, chip buildup and, and also even the gullets between the cutters themselves can be larger mm-hmm. um, because you just require less strength in the cutters because you're cutting through something that's not nearly as, as uh, challenging as metal. Right. Um, so, so yeah, you can, all these things together, I mean, you can, you can tap deep and, and, and quickly. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's, now that's after really you cool. mentioned that, I'm envisioning the whole thing, like each tap is approximately six inches long. If you can go four inches deep, obviously you got to be able to hold it, you know, with whatever you're driving it with away and have it chucked into something. So, I mean, are these things pretty much, I mean, fairly, fairly substantially long? No, they're, they're only, shaft? they're only a bit longer than, than four inches. Um, okay. I have to pull up the, the scale. I mean, if, if you have them, uh, chucked an inch into into the drill, or or even kind of if you want to do a deep hole and and just grab the the last half inch tip, that's enough uh, okay. in in the drill. Um, you know, if you're tapping Gabon ebony, <laughs> maybe maybe you need the the whole thing and and maybe go a little bit slower. I mean, this does your mileage may vary based on exactly how hard the the wood that you're you're tapping is, um, but even even for sort of standard hardwoods, um, you know, I, I messed around with a lot of purple heart as kind of a good staple, okay. uh, challenging wood. Um, and I was tapping it, at full speed with the, with the drill, um, chucked in, uh, five eighths of an inch thereabout. I uh, worked fine. Now, 
let me ask you a question about the technique, Andy, if I could. And I don't know if we're getting too much into the weeds on this particular product because I do want to talk about your other ideas also. But um, if you're drilling that fast through a board, I can see that it doesn't really matter because you're going to drill through. The threads are going to get out in the outside. You're just going to be spinning with the, the shaft in the middle. You stop the drill. You slowly back it through. Um, but if, back it through. Yeah. But if, if you're going through it into a stopped hole – do you, are you using it like on a screw gun with a torque setting? So when it hits the bottom, it stops. I just imagine it hits the bottom of the hole and it continues to spin, which tears out all the threads. Uh, you could do that. that. That's certainly an option. I think maybe a better thing to do would be to know how deep you drilled it. Maybe put a piece of tape on on the tap and and stop before you bottom it out. Because yeah, okay. if, if you have if you don't have any torque control and and you just go like crazy and you hit the bottom and you keep going, it'll just tear the bottom threads up right. um so you'd want to do one or the other okay but with understanding the process and with a little bit of control you're going to get good threads damn near the bottom so all you do is you just make the hole slightly deeper than it can be so you hit you hit your tape and you're not bottoming out you want i would assume you right. want a little bit of space there just to as a safety clearance really right 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 leave a little bit extra okay Oh, super cool! I'm very intrigued to see more of that. Right. Well, hopefully, hopefully, it won't be too too much longer before we, you know, the exact go to market plan. You know, how how are we going to to launch the product? Is there going to be a pre sale? Uh, all all those things are kind of coming together. So, but but hopefully, we'll have some details to share pretty soon. Well, excellent, excellent. We'll definitely share them when you when you pass them out. Um, I I think so. Is it fair to say that the the major things that you've come up with that you've publicized that you're working on bringing to market in one form or another are the blade, the vice, the the taps, and the clamps? That's fair to say that that's all that I've talked about. There, okay. there are several more in, in the works, um, but uh, that's all I can talk about right <laughs> okay. now. Okay, if that's all you can talk about, then that's all we will talk about. Um, right. Let me just return to the screw for a second, and then I, uh, the screw vice, rather, and I definitely want to get to the clamps because they're, they're cool as hell. Um, but we were talking about the basic idea of the screw vice with the, with the fast acme, it's an acme thread, right? The, the fast thread on the one side and the cam on the other. Um, and you were talking about Working on that with Charlie now, is that something that the two of you are going to going to release or that's going to be manufactured and brought out through a brand? If you can't say, I, I don't want you to divulge anything that's uh, that's not ready for public yet. But um, how will people be able to get their hands on the on the vice when it's when it's ready? So certainly when it's ready, um, both Charlie and I will be broadcasting it, you know, very loudly through every social media platform that we have. So if you're paying attention at all to either of us, then you'll hear about it. Um, I, I probably shouldn't say at this point uh, whether or not or what affiliations with other companies um, we have going on with that one. Okay. Um, but, uh, but it won't be long before all the details are shared. This 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 whole uh, product development is there are some very nice overlaps with content creation. Yeah, obviously, once you have a story to tell and a product for people to buy, 
it's a it's a very great way um, to to get the word out there. Um, mm-hmm. But in the development phase, it's very challenging because I'm spending so much time working on things that that I can't share in any way. <laughs> you know, I just kind of go quiet, and, and people forget about you, and the YouTube algorithm starts ignoring your videos, and um, so so that's been a challenge. I, I'm, I'm 20, 2017 hopefully will be a year when I can actually talk about a whole lot more things, um, maybe slow down on the development of new ideas and, and do a little bit more content and, and uh, participate more in, in the community and share more. That's, that's what I'm hoping anyway. Well, I, I, I wish you the best of luck in that, have but you, as far as I'm concerned, you are participating. <laughs> oh, I, have, have you ever you know, had an interest in um, going beyond the designer, did you ever want to, I mean, create your own tool company or anything like that? Or is it to, in your eyes, you know, the, uh, the better venture is to, you know, have your ideas and see them to fruition, but you using all the resources you can. Right now, I, I really like the model of, um, you know, licensing to existing brands and working with companies. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to go. Uh, to, to get started, um, especially if, if your income is coming from, from a day job and, and going all in on, on your own tool company venture, uh, that, I mean, that's, that's, um, that, that could go very well. Or, or even if you have, if you're smart and you've got lots of good ideas, that can still go very wrong. That's, that's a challenging thing to do. So uh, maybe someday, I think for the foreseeable future, um, coming, I, I really like the idea phase um, and having someone to work with on on the marketing and how's distribution going to work and uh, you know how does how does all that come together and, and become a company? Um, you get stuck in all that stuff and and it's harder to you know, create new ideas and and kind of nurture a concept that that just occurred to you and, and that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, Steve Gass came up with the idea for SawStop and started a company. How many new ideas have you heard from him since he got into all that? True story. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. so, and he only did that out of desperation when he couldn't license it. He, yes, that's true. He did. He he did try to license it. That was his original intention, and I commend him. You know, he he didn't give up on it, and he thought this thing really needs to be in in the world, and and I believe in it, and and. Uh, you know, I'm going to put the effort into starting a company, but, um, um, yeah, that's <laughs> maybe someday we'll see. That's a full-time job is, is really what it comes down to. And the, I can only imagine the expense of starting up the company and the fabrication and going, you know, all the, the advantage of partnering with somebody, especially somebody who's already established with having a brand in manufacturing is that mm-hmm. they have these systems in place and they have the capital to do all that, you know, the the prototyping that's necessary in between when you come up with a with a design that works, and mm-hmm. they can manuf- mass produce the design that works. I'm assuming there's a lot of R and D work that goes into taking what you've made and turning it into a manufacturable product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Certainly, with the blade, that was that was the case. The the prototype that uh, I showed in the first video, um, was good enough to demonstrate the concept, but, but that was not ready to go on the shelf. We'll, we'll definitely wait to see when you guys come out with that, that advice, but we've danced around. Do you want to just talk for a minute about the four way clamps? Because that was the, I don't know if that was necessarily the first, but that was what really caught me as 
you know what you're doing in terms of coming up with with these things that are incredibly helpful. Well, well, thanks. I, that one, that one has been the biggest challenge to get momentum on. Um, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, the the other three, the, the blade, the taps, the vice. I've I've um, haven't shared all the details or given exact dates, but have been pretty positive. You know. You know positive tone about, you know, very soon I'll have more to share and, mm-hmm. and it won't be long before you can buy it. The clamps have, have been a lot more of a challenge. Um, really? yeah, they, they, they have been, I, I mean, I, I think that, um, uh, the, the clamps require a pretty big investment in, in new tooling and new design and, and these companies, clamp companies just seem to be, uh, challenging to, uh, get them to, consider adopting third-party innovation and um you know we're still trying but uh but the clamps although a lot of people have have said that they they like them um that one's been been tougher hmm. well, I'm, it's, it's, I'm sorry to hear uh, that because yeah it's a brilliantly simple idea um i mean not overly simple but you know basically it's like if you're you know and, and every if everyone can think of watching mark the wood whisperer clamp a uh up or you know a wider piece where he he always mentioned alternating clamps well here you you've designed like hey if we're going to alternate them why don't we have those things squeeze these things coplanar at the same time is that essentially the idea that's the idea i, I mean i see the, the mistake or the the thing i do differently if if i could uh have it to do all over again um I had a design refinement that really made it a lot simpler, um, took out complexity, took out just, uh, cost in manufacturing ease of use. Um, and it, but unfortunately the first video I posted is the one that got the most views and attention. Uh, and, and then I had to kind of come back later and say, no, wait, 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 I fixed a bunch of stuff and I made it better. And, Hmm. and uh that those videos didn't get as many views um as mm-hmm. as the first one did so i i think i would have it would would have gone better for me uh for us if if we had really polished up and perfected the design um and then released it to the world i think it would have made a bigger viral splash when that happens it's easier to get companies to pay attention when they see you know all of the traffic and and enthusiasm um so, so that diluted the message a little bit. Uh, and, and I think, um, I, it's hard to say how it would have gone differently, but, but I definitely would have, I think we might've had a, a better shot. And again, it, it could still happen. I haven't given up hope for it by any means. Um, but it's, it's not as far along as the other three for sure. Yeah. I'm looking at your, your YouTube site now. Oh, we're all- the difference in viewership between them is unfortunately staggering um, yeah yeah and, everybody watched the the much worse concept <laughs> I, I i would hope that that's just a testament to even the fact that it is far from the best of that concept it's still a really cool concept but you'd hope that they'd uh they'd see it i guess that's like in, in a in a magazine or a newspaper where everyone reads the article and no one reads the correction mm-hmm. well every everyone listening uh Tweet your your favorite uh, clamp manufacturer and tell them that they should uh, get on it. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Help a guy out. I, I yeah. Mean, ha, have you? I mentioned earlier. I mean, you're you're in pop, popular woodworking. At least, are you in the magazine? Or I know you're on the website. I don't know if you've been written up. Um, 
besides in like, popular woodworking. Yeah, or sorry, popular mechanics. Oh right. So when when the blade, um, well, the first blade video uh, went nuts. They they did a small article. Oh okay. I'm just. I mean, have you seen more traction with other people sharing your uh, your inventions, your ideas? Um, did you did you see a, an uptick when those articles come out? And I guess promotion is such a huge bit of of new products. But um, you know, what are what are you looking to do as as more of these products come out that you're designing? Um. So I mean, the blade video really made my channel. Before before that uh, video came out, I had like four thousand subscribers on YouTube. Um, you know, I and that doubled in a week. Um, it just it doubled my channel views in in like a couple days. I, I mean, it just really put me on the map uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, so so you just just the the viral potential of YouTube videos um, and coupling uh, that potential with innovations with, when you already have a, a bit of an audience interested in what you're doing. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty powerful stuff. I think, um, you know, what do, what do I want to do um, really in the short to medium term future in the next year or so, I, I really want to advance a lot of the concepts that I've shared um, some of the concepts that I have come up with what haven't shared yet um, and, and maybe try not to start any new ones. <laughs> you know, I, I really need to bring some to the finish line and, um, and, and actually build this shop in, in my new home. You know, that's the other side of things is actually woodworking and putting a shop together and, um, and, and making videos and, and that sort of thing. So uh, I need to cool it on, on the new ideas and, and actually, actually get some across the finish line, get them on shelves, um, and, and, and get to making some more content. Well, just, just do us a favor is we'll do everything we can to help you get the existing products out the door and on the shelves and being productive with them. And I would agree, you know, focus on getting them across the finish line before you spend too much time on the new ones. But don't stop thinking about the new ones. Keep your sketches, keep your ideas, however you think about them and work through them because I don't want to see this line of innovation stop. No. No, no. Well, I'll, get, I'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I, I really appreciate all, all the support and, and nice things you've, you've said over the last hour. So <laughs> yeah. And, and it's great. Not a problem. We, um, we having seen the inventions there, to that cool you're just as hell. A, yeah, you're not just a tool inventor either. I mean, you you do a fantastic work as well. I know one of your most recent videos was a, a bit of a, a an explanation, maybe, of your um, uh, what is it, a, a pterodactyl or well, <laughs> a table with that uh, the inlay on it, which oh, is a yeah, beautiful the, the fossil table. Oh, thank yeah. you. That's um, like where did that I. So that idea, um, I, for, for a this while, I'd been kind of toying with how do I do inlay, but take advantage of the fact that I'm I'm working with material that could be three dimensional. You know, an inlay is is standard inlay is a two dimensional picture, um, but I, I wanted to do something that was inlay, but but also kind of combine with carving and take advantage of the fact that 
that uh, these are three dimensional pieces. Okay. Um, so I so I had that. How do I how do I find something I could do? Um, and, and eventually I just hit on, I could simulate a fossil, you know, that, that would do it. That's kind of inlay, but I could carve around the little bones and make it look like, um, like, like those, uh, like they were really bones buried in, in some kind of material and, and you unearthed them. And, um, and, and it happened that I had just a, I also wanted to really make a good video. You know, how do I, incorporate shooting video, um, into my workflow. How do I make this all happen? It was the perfect project to, to really dive in. And I had like a three day stretch, um, where it was just me and my shop, wife and kid were, were out of town uh, and I could just go at it nonstop and learn to shoot video and, and take on this ambitious project and just focus on nothing else for a little while. Right. Um, so that was a big leveling up, uh, both for woodworking and, and also for content creation. You know, after that video, it was kind of like shooting videos, uh, after that weekend shooting videos, just part of, of what I did in the shop. It was, Oh wow. It, it, you got that much into your flow. It, yeah. It, after it, it was like in a, like an immersion class, you know, after, after that, it was just part of the workflow. That's that's impressive because it's a it's a cool video, but I I don't know I at least have never come to terms with video that way. So I'm I'm impressed that just a solid three days in and you you figured it out. Well, you, you know I I will say I haven't really come to I, what am I trying to say here? I, I haven't been able to um, speak while I'm doing the project, like I can shoot video and then do a voiceover later when I'm editing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, some people are very good about, um, explaining what they're doing as, as they're going, um, and, and pausing after, after every step and actually speaking to the camera and, and, uh, having that as their workflow. And that's just baffling to me. You know, I'll, I'll put my <laughs> headphones on and I'll shoot the video but my mind's in, in project making mode. I have a very hard time stepping out into communicating and talking about what I'm doing. Those are just like two separate parts of my brain that, that don't play well together. So I don't know if I'll ever get there, <laughs> but voiceover that, that might have to be good yeah, enough. The voiceover works. You know what? It, it does. It lets you be more concise and you're more accurate. I think it's, it's a much easier way to achieve a, a, a more productive means of communicating what you're trying to do rather than try to figure out both the fabrication and the description at the same time. Let it be two separate processes. Focus all on on each and let them be the best they can be. Don't don't combine because you'll never be good at both. You know, doing them together can never be as good as doing each independently. Certainly not for me. It sure it sure looks like some people have a knack <laughs> for it, but uh, I don't think my brain works that way. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, the, when you get to scripting your own work, that that's when it gets a little more difficult. Yeah. Mm. Um, Andy, it has been an absolute pleasure to go over um, all these these great things that are coming out of your shop, and um, I can't wait to get my hands on some of them someday. But um, we've unfortunately discussed that you don't have a proper website. Uh, but where can people find out more about you if they want to see some of these inventions and follow you online? Uh, Andrew Klein on YouTube. That would be the best place. Um, or a Klein two, three, zero three, uh, on Instagram. 
I don't, I don't know why I picked that. Should have picked something better, but uh, <laughs> hey, it works. Primarily YouTube, uh, but if you want a picture now and then, then uh, Instagram is not a bad way to go. All right. Well, following you on both medium, uh, I would highly recommend it. Um, just the the inventions and the actual woodwork are both uh, both really good. So again, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Nope. Well, we thanks, can't guys. end an episode. It's an honor to to have joined you. Oh no, no problem, no yeah. problem. I'm sorry we couldn't make it work in uh, in Cincinnati, but I'm glad we could get you now. Yeah, absolutely. But we, we can't we can't end the episode without oh, talking about you know, our thank you, Sean. I keep choice. skipping past this, and I I really I don't mean to. I know it's all right. Um, and I think we warned you, Andy. But uh, you know, it, bear with us. Um, I, I tonight my my beer choice, um, which I don't know if it's even really least yet i just saw an, a release announcement for bell's hop slam which is a fantastic i even if you're not into ipas i encourage you to find hop slam uh, which sounds like a brutal ipa and it is a double ipa but it is very good very smooth bell's does it right okay I, when, I, when you say it's not released out. is it a seasonal that you've had before it, it is an annual seasonal okay and yeah i had it um i had it last year at a oh a, a, a beer parlor in near Cleveland, um, who had an Afghan, which is a really cool tap device. Um, but anyway, find it there. It's in cans. I mean, it, the distribution should be as wide. If you get bells, mm. I'm going to guess. I get bells. Find it. Yeah. I've had bells too hearted, which is good. Mm. Um, this is a different take. This is six different hop varietals all Ooh. slammed together. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a ten percent double IPA, but it's not hoppy. No, it's well balanced. <laughs> it's good though. I mean, really, I, seek it out and try it. I will. I will absolutely try it. Um, what do you got? I'm going to go with another seasonal. Uh, it's a local one. It is the uh, the Brooklyn Insulated Dark Lager. It is a. It it is exactly what it says. It is. It's a good dark lager. It's clean. It's crisp. It's a nice winter beer. What's the insulated part? Um, I think it's just because it's their winter beer. That's what they call it. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, but it's wearing a parka. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a hipster, you know. It's from Brooklyn. Oh, of course, of course. Nice. How about you, Andy? Do you have a uh, a drink choice? Uh, yeah. So I have one to recommend, and this is a local Colorado brewery. I'm not sure how far they're distributed. Have you heard of Left Hand Brewery? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's, I, I hadn't heard of them before I had moved to Colorado. Um, but anyway, I got to tour their, um, their facility. It was, it was, it was pretty fun anyway. Um, so, so my, my left-hand beer that, that, uh, probably my favorite beer that they have is, is, uh, wake up dead nitro. It's a nitro stout, really strong, kind of creamy. Um, very, very good though. So there you go. Give it a shot. Definitely. Excellent. No, that is a uh, that's that's a. Um, actually, I don't say if I have, have you had it? that one. Have you had it? I'm gonna look now. Both of you guys, I I know we get Brooklyn here, um, but I don't know if we get all of Brooklyn, um, but and I know we get left hand. I'm almost positive I've seen an, a nitro from left hand. I don't know if it's been the wake up dead. I don't know if they do multiple nitros for that matter in distribution at least, but I will uh I'll look it up. But beyond that, 
that just about wraps up the show. Uh, if you're missing us already, you can subscribe to our uh, the show on iTunes or on Google Play Music. Just search for Modern Woodworkers Association. When you're subscribed, you'll never miss an exciting episode. Uh, and while you're there, please leave us a review. It helps us out. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Modern Woodworkers Association. If you like the show, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You could like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. And the best thing you can do is tell a friend because word of mouth goes a long way towards sh- uh, sharing our discussion. I'm Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop um, at SeanW78. Uh, on most social medias, and I'm Sean Wisniewski on Facebook. And uh, I am Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop. And for anyone who's been really paying attention, you've heard me mention themodernwoodworkersassociation.com recently uh, because we went through a little bit of an issue with our domain registrar. Uh, but I can let everyone know that the long national nightmare is over, and we are back <laughs> at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. So that's where you can check out uh, everything I do. So with that, stay safe. Build something cool in the shop and uh, give this guest a run for his money. Invent something neat and bring it to market. There you go. Yeah, anything too bad I can always edit out and post.